Well, good morning and welcome into MCC. Whether you are joining us online, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube, or you are here in person, there's more of you in person. Look at you guys. Way to be here. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, way to be there as well. Today we are digging into week two of a series called Parent Guilt. Before we dive into that, I do want to give a big welcome to anybody who is joining us. And today maybe is your first time connecting online or first time connecting here. I'd love to have a chance to get to know you either out there in the back or online. You can fill out one of those cards and I will be in touch with you this week. Hey, at MCC, one of the things we love to do is to be able to connect uh, with, with the kids because uh, we haven't opened up our children's ministry fully yet. So we got kids in the room. Uh, and one of the things we do is there are three things that they're listening for in today's message. And those three things are colors, okay? So colors, if you get all three colors, you get to go to Scoops, all right? If you're the lucky winner who, you know, enters in that, you get to go to Scoops. Hey, can you guys guess what my favorite ice cream from Scoops is? Anybody? Just guess in your head. Think about it in your head. You can shout out loud if you want to. You can put my favorite ice cream guess in the comments if you want to. My favorite ice cream from Scoops is, no, not a chance. She said mint chocolate chip. Is cotton candy explosion. I know... The masculine vibes I put off would have said otherwise, but cotton candy explosion is it for me. There's just something about that pink and then those blue, um, those, those little things that just blow up in your mouth. I just, I don't know. Those, those are good. I, I dig that. Um, that's nothing to do with the message today. All right. Here's something that does have to do with what God is doing here amongst us. I want to celebrate something really big. Uh, for those of you who may have been around MCC for the last couple of weeks, one of the things that you know is that throughout this COVID crisis, we have been incredibly blessed as a church, and, and for a lot of places who this had been a financial thing that had really affected them in a bad way, uh, it has just been one of the things where we've seen God continue to be faithful through the way people like you have given. So much so that we took a whole week's worth of offering, which totaled this amount here, 59683 So we took, yeah, that's awesome. So we took that amount of money, and we have spent the last almost two, a little over two months now putting a team together and giving that money away to ministries, charities, individuals within our community. And I'm happy to announce today that as of this past week, we have given all of that away to meet real life needs here in our community. So well done on that. I cannot wait till next week when you guys are able to see what God did through you. Because this number is because of you and your generosity, and your trust in God to be faithful to you and your family and to this church through this season. So do not miss next week. We're going to have a video to show you, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little bit. We went out with an absolute bang. You're not going to miss it. So I'm going to pray. We're going to dive into what God's Word has for us today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we are being able to be brought together to be helped. To be helped not by motivation, not by encouragement, to be helped by the living word of a loving father who cares about us enough to write down what a life lived for good looks like and to put it here so that we can have it all these years later. I thank you, Jesus, for being real. Be real to us today. In your name, amen. So today, again, we're continuing on this series called Parent Guilt. And today we're going to be talking about an area of guilt that we have as parents that, man, I would say this is probably the heaviest one that many of us feel. I, a couple of weeks ago, I posted this thing online and I said, I asked some parents to be really vulnerable and honest. I said, hey, just share with me what your guilt says to you, what your parent guilt says to you. And, and the comments on that thing, of like 70 comments on there where people were just sharing their heart. And what I noticed is there was actually this recurring theme of what a lot of parents feel guilt around. And I want to see if you can pick up on some of it. Here are some of the ones that stuck out to me. My kids needed more of me 
than they needed the fruits of my labor. I wish I could be at home raising them, but there were bills to be paid. I just feel like I'm not present enough. I have gift around the time that I spend with them, but even the time I do get to spend with them, I feel exhausted. I wish I could spend more one-on-one time with my kids. My kids are spending too much time behind the screen. I stay at home, but I then feel guilty because we don't have the nice things or the nice vacations to be able to take my kids on. I wish I would have spent less time trying to climb the ladder and not missed opportunities and memories to be made. And then I think to sum up these ones that were really in this theme, one person said, I wish I would have spent more time making a life and less time making a living. And I think we all can relate to that. Because isn't that, for so many of us who are parents and maybe we've sent kids out of the nest or we have care kids with us, we, we live in this tension between how do I make a living? Like I have got to put food on the table. I've got to put a roof over there. I've got to do these things. But at the same time, we all are smart enough to realize Food is not just going to cut it. Clothes are not just going to cut it. And a roof is not going to cut it. They are going to need more things than just those things. They're going to need me. So many of us as parents, we feel guilt around the time that we spend. We have so many of us in this room who have maybe even launched kids out, whether it's to college or whether it's into life. And like the Bible says that, that kids are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. Like we've pulled them back and we have let go and we see what they are hitting. We see where they are landing and they're not even on the target. Like they're not even nowhere near the bullseye. They're just way out here and there's guilt going. That's my fault. If I would have spent the time that I had with them differently, maybe what they're experiencing right now in their life would be different. So there's a lot of guilt around this idea of time. And most all of us feel like we wish we could do some things differently than the way we spent time with our families. And I want to offer today some hope. The first place of hope I want to go to is really the root verse for this whole series. Okay, I'm going to take you back to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. This is Jesus speaking to Paul in the midst of his weakness. And listen, we're all weak. One of the biggest struggles, I think, for us in our modern society is knowing what to do with the time we have. Jesus speaks and encourages Paul in verse 9 of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians and says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Your weakness, your inability to check the time, your ability to make the most of the time. Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you. I can make that perfect in the weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, again, the whole premise of this series is that we would move to a place for all of us, whether or not we're parenting real-life kids in the house, whether or not we're grandparents, or whether or not we're disciples or people who hope to even be parents one day, to move from a place where we're doing that out of guilt and move to a place where we're doing it out of grace and this grace that is sufficient. For those of you who maybe you missed last week, one of the big points that we made is that for us in this season especially, we as parents have got to take up this mantle of the primary discipler of our children that that is the biblical precedent, that it's not on the church's job to tell our kids about Jesus, that for us as parents, it is our job, role, and responsibility to point our kids 
towards Christ. For those of you, maybe you're doing that as a grandparent. For some of you, you're doing that as a spiritual parent to someone where you're influencing their life. But the Bible made it really clear, especially in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verses 4 and 9 says this. God speaking to the prophet uh, Moses, and he's speaking to this nation of Israel, and he's telling them what life should look like now that he has done what he has done. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today to, to be on your hearts. And he turns it says, this is what I want you to know. And here's, and again, this is what God's trying to do. He's, this is the whole reason for kids in general, is to make sure the goodness of God passes down from generation to generation to generation. And so he says, if my goodness, the fact that I am one, and that you need to love me with your whole heart and your mind and your strength, that needs to pass down. He says, here's how we do that. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them around your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your heart and of your houses and your gates. See, what God is trying to help Moses understand here is as if God is saying, listen, I'm the OG, I'm the original parent. I know how to do this. And there are opportune times for you to be able to pass down my goodness, my love, my care to these kids. And these are those four times. He lays them out right here. It may be a little hidden in the verse, but it's there. The first time is this, in the morning. He says, when you rise up. So if we want to pass down the love of God to our kids, opportune times, there's four of them right here in this verse. In the morning. The next time is at meals. In the meals. Man, how many of you know you're sitting around and your kids are eating? That's where we talk. That's where we build the conversation. Meal times. That's where those moments come. The next time is drive time. Now, again, we're not walking along the roads. We're not doing a whole lot of that anymore in our society. But, man, you strap those bad boys in the Dodge Caravan, and you're rolling. And you know what? When they're in there, they're in there. They can't go nowhere. All right? So you could preach to them. You could, you could recite Bible verses. And remember, if they're under five, their memory is literally better than yours will ever be. And it's better than theirs will ever be. They can remember so much of God's word at that point. The drive time is huge. And the last one is bedtime. So those are the, the four primary places and times in a kid's life where we can hand down the love of God to them. Remember what they are. What are they? Morning, meal, drive. Bedtime. Okay, you got it. Okay, so hopefully you, you're online, you got that too. Those are the four times when it can happen. Now I want to help us walk through how to make it happen. I want to talk about the four ways to make the most of the time we have with a child. All right, taking notes, please lean in, write this down. First time, first thing, is to make the most of the time you have with a child, you need to count it down to make it count. Let me explain this to you like this. Little visuals. Okay, so if you've ever been to the Shoemake household, one of the things that you'll see on our mantle are these things that, that are marbles. If you can't see this, it's marbles in this jar, marbles in this jar. And what we do with these marbles is, for us, this is the way where we count down the time that is left in our kids' lives. So what I have right here is I actually have Ezra, my youngest, I have his set of marbles, okay? Now, when the kid is born... They start out with 936 marbles in the big jar, okay? And those 936, they represent the number of weeks that we have in this young person's life to influence them before they graduate and they fly the coop and we release that arrow, so to speak. So right now, at this point, Ezra, he has started out with 936. He is at 786 right now. So we've gone through this amount in his life. 
And the reason we do this as a family is we gather together on Monday night. We call it Marble Monday. And we get together, and each kid each week gets one little marble. And we sit down, and we pray. And we talk about the week. And we talk about what went well. We talk about our favorite memories and our favorite moments. Now listen, I know you're hearing this, and you're going, that is so amazing. But let me just... Let me just be real, real with you. Like, there are a lot of Marble Mondays that end in tears and not the good, like, oh, that's so emotional, you can't. But, like, I'm whooping your butt right now because you won't close your eyes and pray. Like, um, it's all over the place. But here's what we have chosen to do. We said we're going to be intentional with, on a weekly basis, reminding ourselves of how much time we have left with these young men. And the principle where we get this from is actually a verse that Moses wrote that's in the Psalms. It's Psalm 90, verse 12. Uh, this is a great one to memorize. It's a great one to know. This is what Moses says in Psalm 90. He says, so teach us to number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so we may present to you a heart of wisdom. That's what we're doing. That's the principle, is we're saying, I'm going to number the days I have left. The principle in this, and again, this again, remember this is that when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get more serious about the time you have now. It's, for those of you who have played sports, it's the reality of a shot clock. This big, red, numerical thing that is counting down how much time is left. And as that thing is counting down, the moment and the intensity, it gets more important. And in the same way with a shot clock, I want you to know this. You, every single day of the weeks that you have with them, you have opportunities to score points. Now, this is where I think we get a little off sometimes, is we think the only way we can score points is by doing like 360 alley-oop dunks, uh, the equivalent of that in our lives, by like taking them to Disney World and like, I'm going to buy you the, you know, the brand newest iPhone and take out a lease and, a, you know, get a new mortgage, but we're going to get you that phone. We're going to do all these things and that's how I'm going to score points in your life. But here's the deal. Kids spell love T-I-M-E. And what you need to know is the same points you score at Disney are equal to the points you score at dinner time. It's scoring points through showing up at the game. It's showing points by showing interest in what Fortnite is. It's scoring points by just being there and praying with them. It's scoring points by calling them every birthday, by FaceTiming if you're grandma or grandpa. It's scoring those points because here's what you need to know. There's going to come a day where the shot clock over their head, imagine whatever kid you have, imagine that shot clock over their head. There's going to come a day where that time is going to run out and you're not going to have any time that's left and you're going to find yourself going, man, I wish I would have done something more with the time that I had. I wish I would have done something. You heard that, right? Startled you a little bit. Imagine how startling it's going to be at 19, when you go, there's no more time. And so if we want to make the most of the time we have, we've got to start counting it. I want to give you an incredibly simple, practical way to do this. If you've got a phone, I'll give you permission to pull it out right now. If you have a smartphone, if you have a flip phone, leave it in your purse. <laughs> there's, an, there's that website too, though. But there's this app. And it's called the Parent Q app. 
and you can go to this thing called the ParentQ app. And what it does is it allows you to be able to literally see how much time you have left with your kids. You plug in their name, you plug in their birthday, and it will start a countdown for them. It gives you a place to put a really cute picture of them, and you can put in new ones as they grow and as they change, or you can leave it the same, because I just wanted you to stay as three-year-old, because you're 13, you're 13 right now, and I wish you acted like you were a three-year-old. You're acting more like a three-year-old ever than you did right now as a 13-year-old. It's crazy. So you can plug them in, and it gives you information about where they're at, what they're doing, what phase that they're in, and allows you to be able to know what's going on, and it gives you something to count. And when you start counting, the chances of you making your time count, they increase exponentially. So it's called the Parent Q app. Download it. It will change things for the good. I promise you, whether you're a grandparent, parent, whether or not you're spiritually parenting someone, whatever it may be, it is an absolute game changer. The next way we make the most of the time that we have with our kids is we teach them how to play chase. Now again, I'm not talking about playing chase outside because it's 100 degrees with 100% humidity and nobody's got time for that. I'm talking about chasing something different. And I want to talk to you about this verse that most of you have probably heard this verse before. It's Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is oftentimes quoted at funerals and stuff like that, even in rap songs. Like Psalm 23 is just everywhere. But I want to show you it in regards to parenting. Let's check it out together. Psalm 23, we're going to start in verse 4. David wrote this, talking about his relationship with God, and he said this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the living room in the dark with Legos on the floor, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And then listen to verse 6. That's the one I don't want you to miss out on. Listen to verse 6. He talks about all these amazingly good things. Is it good to have a loving father walk with you through the valley of the shadow of darkness, your darkest moments as a parent? You better believe it is. Is it good to have something there to correct you and help you stay on the right path? You bet. Is it good to have a cup that runs us over? Yeah, because, man, a lot of times my wallet's empty. He says, these are all the things. But then he says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, my question is, when you think about goodness and mercy and it following you, does that seem like your reality? Or do you feel like oftentimes you are chasing goodness. I'm chasing a good job. I'm chasing a good environment for my kids. I'm chasing a good school. I'm chasing a good behavior from them. I am chasing so much. I want so much good for them. But I want you to understand here that that is not the order in which it is placed in the Bible. He says, this is the type of father we have in God. He is a good shepherd. He's a lover of our soul. And when we surrender to who he is, there's this thing called goodness and there's this thing called mercy. And they are not what we pursue. They are what follow us because we are walking with him. And so I'm, I'm worried for so many of us as parents, myself included, who we raise kids in an effort and the emphasis of our parenting is all on teaching them how to pursue good things. I want you to pursue good grades. I want you to pursue a good spouse, pursue good hygiene, pursue good habits, pursue all these things. And we're in our efforts to teach them to pursue those good things, we maybe fail to teach them how to pursue godliness. 
And in efforts to do that, they miss out on the things that really matter the most. And so I'm worried. I'm worried for a generation that is only being brought up to pursue fame, to pursue influence, to pursue a status, and not being taught that there is a loving God who is pursuing them recklessly with all of his love, with all of heaven's armies coming after their hearts. And that that's the type of things that when they are in the will of God, when they are surrendered to him, all those good things that you want for your child, when they're walking with God, those aren't the things they're walking to. Those are the things that are with them and following them. Goodness and mercy. Next thing that I would ask you in regards to this is based off the way you spend your time, all right, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, based off the way you spend your time, what are you teaching your kids to pursue? Based off the way you spend your time, what are you teaching them to pursue? Based off the way you in, interact with your phone, based off the way you come home from work late seven nights out of the week, based off the way you get up early on Saturday and don't have breakfast with the family and go play golf, based off the way you do what you do, what are you teaching them to pursue? And are you okay with that? Because this whole pursue God thing, you know this, I'm going to put it to words though, this whole pursue God thing is not something that can be taught they see what you pursue. They see what you, can, what you do. This whole pursue God thing will not be taught. It has to be caught. Because they're watching. They're going to see what you do. The next thing that we can do to make the most of the time we have with our child is focus on the people they'll become, not the places they'll go. Focus on the people that they'll become, not the places that they'll go. See, I, I as a dad, I have all this list of the places that I want to see my boys go. I want to see Titus be able to go to the pitcher's mound and throw his first game of kid pitch. I want to see Ezra standing in a stream catching his first rainbow trout. I want to see them graduating high school. I want to see them graduating college. I want to see them marrying the girl of their dreams. I want to see them being baptized. I want to see them on the mission field. And you have your list for your kids as well. But what happens, guys, when that end goal becomes everything. I think we're very susceptible to getting kids to places that their character may not be able to sustain them. See, when the goal of arriving at an external destination becomes our whole target as a parent and we're not concerned with the integrity, we're not concerned with their morals, we're not concerned with their holiness, we're not concerned with their humility, all we're concerned with is not whether or not you achieved this. What happens is they oftentimes do get there because you're a great leader and they want to please you. But oftentimes they don't have the character and integrity and grit that it takes to sustain where they have just gotten to. Which is why I think Paul, when he was encouraging his spiritual son in the faith, Timothy, said what he said. I want to show you here what Paul said as he's encouraging this guy who he said was his true son in the faith, Timothy. How he encouraged him, not based off of all the places he wanted him to go, not based off all the things he wanted him to do. Because again, Paul had big dreams for Timothy, all right? This was his boy. This was his protege. This was the guy he was looking to to say, man, if this happens, it's going to be because Timothy continues this thing on down the road. And so he wanted Timothy to plant more churches. He wanted Timothy 
to preach to thousands. He wanted Timothy to heal people. He wanted Timothy to be locally known and globally known within Asia Minor. He wanted all those things for him. But listen to how he talks to him and how he encourages them. If you've got a Bible, it's in Ephesians. Or, or sorry, first, uh, 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Such a rich passage of Scripture. 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 10. Look at how he encourages them. Not based off of where he wants them to go, but who he wants them to be. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. See what Paul's doing there? He is, he is saying, Timothy, you're a part of something bigger. And this is one of the things that you need to do as a parent. Like oftentimes when we correct our kids, we just say, you don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. We need to start saying, you don't do that. Now we need to start saying, we don't do that. You're a part of something bigger. This is who we are. And he's saying, Timothy, you're a part of something so much bigger, son. There's a faith that's been passed down from generation to generation, and you're a part of that, bro. And I can see it in you. He goes on from there in verse 6. And he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. I love what Paul's doing here. Paul's saying, listen, there is something in you, son. There is something on the inside of you. Timothy, I'm, I'm less concerned about what ha- may happen on the outside. I'm less concerned about the clothes that you're wearing. I'm less concerned about the fact that you may have holes in your jeans. You do things a little bit different. You are different than me, Timothy. I'm less concerned with how you may be differently externally. I'm more concerned with the reality that there is a fire inside of you, son. And God put that there. And I want that fire. I want that spark that is inside of you, son. I want that to come out. I want that to be noticeable to the people around. And so I'm not going to get hung up on the things on the outside. And I'm going to say, there is something on the inside of you, son. And I'm going to call that out. I'm going to raise that up. I'm going to do everything I can. He says in verse 7, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. All those character attributes you want in your child. Love, self-control. Verse 8, therefore. Again, every therefore is therefore a reason. Paul says, Here's the character I want to be inside of you. When people think about you, here are the thoughts that should come to mind. When you think about you, Timothy, here's how you should think about you. Now, here's why. Not because you're good in all of yourself, but because of the gospel. Listen to how Paul preaches the gospel to Timothy here in verse 8 through 10. Therefore, don't be ashamed about the testimony about our God, nor of me, his prisoner. See, Timothy uh, was definitely given to fear. And Paul is speaking out of that. He's saying, listen, you're going to be in a world where it's going to be easy to just not be bold. I need you to be bold. I need you to be strong. Don't be ashamed of the gospel or the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began. In verse 10, and which has now been manifested through the appearing of our son, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, that's Paul saying, son, there is something special inside of you. And I want that something special to come out because it was put in there by Jesus Christ. And for us as parents, that's what we do. We look at our kids and we say, there is something special in you. And I want that thing to call out. I'm not going to get caught up in how you don't measure up. I'm not going to get caught up in all these things. And I'm not going to allow my identity to be attached to what you do and you don't do. I'm going to be secure enough in my identity that I'm not going to parent you based off of who I want other people to see me as. I see something great in you and a great loving God. Put it there and I want that thing to come out. See, as parents, man, I know this 
for sure. We have a tendency to investigate our kids' lives, right? Like we want them to measure up. We want to measure up on all sorts of different things. And let's be honest, moms in the room, you are better at investigating than us as dads are. Like you knew it was happening before we knew it was happening. Am I right? You're laughing because you know it's true. But, but here's what I want to say, and especially this is really critical as we get ready to turn a corner and go into a new, new school year that's going to be more different than any school year you guys have ever had. Your kids know you care about their hygiene, right? You tell them all the time, brush your teeth. You got a kid going through puberty, it's like, why do you smell like Fritos right now, bro? You, you're just terrible. It's just, you, you just go here, here. You might even take it across the mouth. Like, take care of yourself. They know you care about their friends. They know you care about their grades. Let me ask you a, a more tough question. Do your kids, do they know you care about their relationship with Jesus? And before you say, yeah, I know they do. Would they have evidence to prove that fact? To back it up? And what if this year, what if, you know, easy application point here. What if this year we talked about God with our kids and our grandkids more than we talked about grades? What if we said at the end of the day, like at the end of however long this school year lasts, uh, what if at the end of it we just know, hey, listen, we kept our faith and our focus on Christ. Yes, grades were there. Yes, we had to focus on some things. Yes, we had to have some hard conversations. But the focus was less on what you produced and more about what God was producing in and through your life. That's the hope. That's the purpose. Last thing that we can do to make the most of the time we have with a child is to put in time over time. To put in time, to put in small deposits of time, small magical moments into their life, and to do that over a course and a period of an extended time. See, Paul, he spoke about this in Ephesians, and he equated it to a walk. This is what he said in Ephesians 5, 15, and 17. He said, therefore, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. In 16, he says, make the best use of your time. Because the days are evil. Anybody amen on that one? No? No? Yes. Yes, they are. They are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, Paul is saying that if you want to understand the times, if you want to understand how to make the most of your time, you've got to pay attention to your walk. You've got to pay attention to the rhythmic, habitual things that you do with your time because those show you whether or not you're making wise decisions or foolish decisions now the enemy loves to keep us busy and distracted because busyness and distraction are the enemies of intimacy and so he wants our pace to be fast 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 so that we never look back and see what we're doing with our walk especially in parenting see here's one of the principles about time that, that you probably understand about is true is that there is a cumulative value to small deposits of time over time so if you do a small, I'm going to run five minutes every day this week, and you do that, and you continue to do that, incrementally, things are going to get better. But if on January 2nd, you said, I'm going to get in shape this year, and you bought a treadmill, and on January 2nd, you ran for five minutes, and then for the rest of the year, it was a really expensive clothes rack, you know that you didn't get out of it what you thought you would. And it's the same thing with time, is that, one of the things we know about it is that one installment, 
like one good thing. Like, because you could get fired up about this message, and you're like, you know, I'm going to go start making the most of the time with my kids, and you go home out of here, and you just get everybody together, and you have this big family lunch, and everybody holds hands together because they're your family, and you can because COVID can't get you, and you <laughs> you're praying together with your family, and then you open the Bible, you do Devo in the afternoon, like. Your teenage daughter isn't going to come downstairs in the morning and go, Mother, Father, I cannot wait to start this day of school in this beautiful house that you have provided for me. Wi-Fi, computers, this is the day the Lord has made, Mom. I am so grateful for this. Like, you know after, like if you've never done that before and you start that tonight, like that, most likely, your kid's not going to come down. Oh, God can work miracles, but most likely, she's not going to come downstairs and do that. And the opposite of that is true. You dads in the room, and single moms in the room, and working moms in the room, you've worked late. And you've missed dinner. Multiple dinners. And when you miss that first dinner, the kids aren't like, jerk. You don't know me. I don't want to be around you. You don't know my life. And so because there's no immediate consequences on you missing one dinner, or you instead of you know, hanging out with the kids on a Saturday morning, you go play golf for a couple weeks in a row, because there's no immediate negative consequences and there's also no immediate positive benefits, we oftentimes just ignore those small little incremental things that we should be doing. Now I want to try to give you an aha moment here that changed things for me. Here's what I want you to understand. This is, this is the aha moment that I had when I realized that I was wasting too much of my time with my family and my kids. Here it is. There is no, there is no positive attribute in addition to your life for all of the random things that you opt for instead of choosing the important things. Let me break it down to you. Say I wanted to get in shape. I wanted to get in better shape. But tomorrow morning on Monday, I woke up and I said, you know what, I could use, man, uh, preaching was really hard yesterday, family life, we had some friends over, I'm just going to sleep in an extra hour. Then on Tuesday, well, I mean, I, I really don't have to have this meeting in the morning where my workout normally would be. I'm just going to move this, morning, this, this meeting right here because I just need to get this meeting done and take care of. And if I said, hey, you know, on Wednesday, you know, it'd be really good to catch up with some friends. So I'm just going to, you know, call them on my drive in. And so that's going to take a little bit more time. Everything that I opted for, instead of doing the, the harder thing of getting up and working out, if I took all three of those things and add them up, do you know what cumulative value they add to my life? None. And so oftentimes for us as parents, we sit around and we ask these big questions, whether it's grandparents, parents, or, or we're, we're discipling somebody, we ask this really big question, where did the time go? Where did time go? Where'd it go? Here's what I found out. We oftentimes ask that question, and it's not as puzzling of a conundrum as it seems. We ask that question because we don't understand that the time went, to all of the random, unimportant things we opted for instead of small, incremental, habitual investments in time 
over time into the lives of the people who matter most to us. Because we had kids who were sitting right there in front of us, but we chose to continue to scroll. We had kids who were in the car ride with us through the teenage years, but man, it was easier just to listen to J93 and have them sing about Jesus than me and her talk about Jesus because that could have ended in a fight, and I didn't want to end in a fight before we went to school. Man, it was easy to opt for certain things instead of opting for the important things. And I want you to understand, for you and your kids, there are things that they will never be able to understand about your love and God's love if those things are not spread out over a long period of time. And here's the deal. You do not waste time. You waste life. And with the life that you have and the moments that you have, my prayer for you is that you get the most out of it. Because here's the truth. It is time invested over time that actually will create a history worth repeating to where you could say, I do want my kids to inherit my prayer life. I want my kids to inherit like the relationship that I had with my sons. I want the relationship that they have with their sons to be like that because I've created with the time that I have a history that is worth repeating. And for all of us, I want you to understand something critical. That this life is not a guarantee and is not a promise. And if we want to make the most of the time that we have now, we've got to understand that there's a God who loves us and has given us every one of these moments as a gift. So we shouldn't waste it. But we should point those around us and even our own hearts to Jesus. And that's why the band is getting ready to sing this song makes that proclamation to turn your eyes upon Jesus to him the author and perfecter of faith the only one who can we can't save our kids he can and so I'm not turning my boys I'm not turning their eyes to me to look to me to be their salvation to be their savior that's Jesus and it's the same for you in your home and there are things that Jesus trust me he wants to show them about his love over a long period of time because they're dead in, in the very center of time. From creation to eternity future. Right in the middle of time is a cross. It's how we do our calendars. It's how we do life. Right there in that moment is the cross of Christ. He says there's things you would never understand about this love that's right here in front of you. If you didn't understand the past. And you didn't understand the beautiful future I have for you. See that's grace church. My prayer is that you make the most of these moments. Let's pray. Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. We turn our faith to you. We turn away from the things of this world and we put our hope and our focus and our trust in you. You alone are worthy. You alone are the one who can fix and help. You alone can redeem the time. Jesus, we thank you for eternity, a forever kind of time. And remind us that those moments where we are in eternity, where we're in heaven with you, those are the only places we're going to be able to get back time that we lost here. And Jesus, I pray 
that for us in our own hearts, we know that's where we're going. And that with every bit of life we have and moments we have on this earth, you would use us, God, as biological parents, as grandparents, and as a church who by the blood of Christ are called to parent the last, the lost, and the least to make sure that they will be there with us as well in eternity with you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.